Today's scripture comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thank you, God, for your word that is filled with your wisdom and inspiration. Thank you, Kate. Hey, everybody, welcome. Uh, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm so looking forward next Sunday to our Outside the Walls, this annual event. Um, and like a lot of you, I have signed up to serve and I want to especially say something to our uh, part of our congregation that's online, is that next Sunday uh, at 9 o'clock, we will live stream the rally, which will be maybe 20 minutes or so. And then while the rest of us go on to serve, uh, we're going to add a message that I gave a few uh, years ago. I think it will kind of fit in with this series that we've been doing now, so you'll be able to watch that. Let's pray. And today I would ask you to... Uh, join me in this 13th century prayer of Richard of Chichester, which, will, which is on the screen. Let's pray. Thanks be to you, our Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits which you have given us, for all the pains and insults which you have borne for us. Most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen. About 16 years ago, a friend and I went to a Yankees baseball game at the original Yankee Stadium. And they were playing their arch rivals, the Boston Red Sox. And uh, sitting directly in front of us were four Red Sox fans who were loud and obnoxious. And many of the Yankee fans were happy to return the favor. As the game went on, the name-calling got worse and beer got thrown. And about the eighth inning, those four Red Sox fans were told by security they had to exit the stadium. And as the four walked down the steps, you know, they were ejected but not dejected. And I wondered, maybe this was their goal all along, to get kicked out of Yankee Stadium. You know, as passionate as fans can be, we know that team loyalty is somewhat arbitrary. You know, the team that you follow is probably about where you grew up or where you went to school or the team that your mom or dad followed or the players that your friends like. It's, you know, it's not that much different with a person's faith. It's a lot about where you grew up and what religion your parents were and trying to fit in with your peers. I have a friend who uh, grew up in Indonesia, and her family was Christian, and she was given a Christian name, but 88% of Indonesians are Muslim. And it seemed to her father that life would be a whole lot easier for them if they were Muslim. And so the family converted. Now, since moving to the U.S., she has now become a Christian. So 
here's where it gets kind of sticky for us, is that if your religion is so much a matter of where you live, then maybe we wonder whether it's a matter of truth. And that's probably why so many people assume that all religions must be pretty much about the same. Uh, quite a number of years ago, this uh, topic came up at a church meeting that I was at, and one person said that he believed that all religions, uh, including Christianity, were like spokes on a wheel, and they were all equal, all leading to the center, which is God. And if that's what you believe, then I would say, whatever you do, don't read the Bible, okay? Okay? And that's the title of our current series. Uh, this series, I think, is important for all of us. But I want you to know, I especially think it's important for all of you uh, who are students, and especially when you get to college. There are going to be times when, when uh, peers and professors are really going to challenge you in your faith. And if you're not ready for it, it's going to knock the wind out of you. You know, you might even start thinking, oh, man, Jesus, there's people, they've never thought about this before and, 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 and because you don't have any answers. Well, I want you to know that Christians do have answers. They've been thinking about this stuff a long, long time. And they've developed uh, responses that are worth considering. Now, you might have to do a little digging for them, but they're there. So today's message is this. Don't read the Bible unless you're willing to consider its claims to truth. The singer Madonna, I think, probably speaks for a lot of people uh, today in our culture when she says, I do believe that all paths lead to God. It's kind of that same spokes theory, right? Very attractive idea, quite popular, uh, but you will not find it in the Bible. Today's message has two parts, and we need to be sure that we have clarity on both of them, okay? Here's the first part. When it comes to other religions, the Bible makes claims that are surprisingly exclusive. And already some of you are feeling very uncomfortable about this, and I can understand why, but hear me out, okay? You know, when I was a kid, I enjoyed comic books, and um, I... You know, but the comics that made the most lasting impression on me were the ones that I got from church. Our church gave out comics. Actually, they were, they were Sunday school take-home papers, and every week it included a couple pages of comic book story from the Bible. And they were, you know, presented real dramatically, and, and there was always a cliffhanger at the end, so you were always eager to read the next one. And that's where I learned about the Exodus how God set the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt. And then on the base of Mount Sinai, the Israelites, what did they do? They made this golden calf and worshipped it. God was definitely not happy with them. So he made it abundantly clear, you shall have no other gods before me, and neither shall you bow down to any image. God was exclusive. I learned about Ruth, who abandoned the gods of her home country, Moab, and dedicated herself to the god of her Israelite mother, Naomi. I learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
uh, who refused to bow down to the, to the, stature, the statue that the, the king of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, uh, king of Babylon, had, had put up. And these three friends stayed true to the one true God, even though it meant being thrown into the blazing furnace. God rescued them. But their faith was exclusive of any other God. I learned the story of Daniel, who would not pray to the Persian king Darius and was subsequently tossed down into a pit of hungry lions. God rescued him, too. And you know, the, the New Testament is a lot the same. It is, it's exclusive. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus gives what we call the Great Commission. You know, our church's mission statement is based on this. And Jesus tells his followers to help people of other nations become his disciples. He doesn't say, well, just stay at home because their religion is just as good as anything I'm teaching. He says, go into every nation and help people become my disciples. You see, Jesus wants people everywhere to know him and follow him. When, when Paul and Barnabas were in the city of Lystra, which is now in, it would be in the country of Turkey, God performed an amazing miracle. This, this man who had never walked was healed. And the people of Lystra, they just blew their minds. They thought, wow, you know, the gods have come in person. You know, this, is, this one is Zeus, and this one is Hermes. And, and uh, they wanted to make sacrifices to them. And Paul and Barnabas are going, whoa, hold on, you know, we're just ordinary people like the rest of you. They said, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. And then in, in his letter to the sisters and brothers in Philippi, God or Paul says that God has exalted Jesus to the highest position and that his name is above every other name and every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is Messiah and Lord. Jesus does not share that highest spot with anyone else. He does not share it with Muhammad or Buddha. The book of Revelation claims that Jesus is above all. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. We sing about this stuff all the time, don't we? Do we believe it? When it comes to other religions, the Bible makes claims that are surprisingly exclusive. No room for other gods because they are not really gods. You know, as a child, I came to believe in Israel's God, and it became the foundation for my faith in, in Jesus. And, you know, that's the same thing that happened to a young man in the Bible named Timothy. So I would ask you now to open your Bible. Uh, you know, if you brought one, great, or grab the pew Bible in front of you. It's on page 1199, which is about what your lunch is going to cost on the way home, right? 1199. In chapter 1, we discover that Timothy learned uh, the faith from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Now, they were both Jewish women who had come to uh, put their faith in Jesus and belong to him. And in verse 14, Paul tells Timothy, but as for you, 
Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. So this is saying that Timothy not only learned about God when he was growing up, but he became convinced of it himself. So the faith that he was taught then became his personal conviction. Now, Timothy's father was a Greek, uh, probably never became a Christian as far as we know, and, and believe, no doubt believed in all the pantheon of gods uh, that the Greeks had. But, but Timothy did not adopt his, his father's faith. He put his faith in Jesus. Now, your family can play a big role in your faith, but you don't just inherit it, do you? At some point, you have to decide for yourself whether this is, whether this is really right and true. Paul, Paul reminds Timothy about his mother and grandmother when he says in verse 14, because you know those from whom you learned it, that is, you learned the gospel from them, and then going into verse 15, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. You know, as a kid, uh, Timothy you learned all the same Bible stories I learned in those comics. And, uh, and I imagine he also knew Isaiah 45 and 46, where God repeats this refrain, I am the Lord and there is no other. Will you say it with me? I am the Lord and there is no other. Tell all your friends and your sister and brother, I am the Lord and there is no other. And these scriptures laid the foundation for his faith in Jesus the Messiah. Uh, and, that, you know, that's what we read about in the rest of verse 15, about the Holy Scriptures. They are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the Old Testament points you to Jesus, and when you put your faith in him, salvation is yours. Now, the New Testament, like I said before, it also makes exclusive claims. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty exclusive sounding, isn't it? The Apostle Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. It's not Zeus or Artemis, Apollo or Aphrodite or any of more than the 3,000 gods of the Greek pantheon? Now, you can say that all religions are basically the same, but really, that does not do justice to the world's religions. It would be insulting to Buddhists to say that their beliefs are basically the same as Islam. They wouldn't like that at all. It would make no sense to a Confucian to say, to, uh, to say that their way of life and Christianity are pretty much the same because they're not. One of my professors in seminary had uh, previously been a missionary, and one of the things he said has stuck with me all these years. He said, a lot of people assume that the world's religions are different on the surface, but the deeper you go, the more they're alike. He said, but just the opposite is true. It's on the surface that religions have their similarities, 
But the deeper you go, the more different they are. The second part of today's message is this. When it comes to people of other religions and those excluded by religion, the Bible makes claims that are surprisingly inclusive. You know, God is always surprising people by by loving them and and desiring for every person to come to him and be saved. Jesus surprised a Samaritan woman by talking with her when he was really so much against custom to do that. And he offered her living water. Jesus surprised a Roman centurion by healing his servant. Jesus surprised a whole dinner party full of guests uh, when this woman with a real suspicious past burst into the room and Jesus let her kiss his feet and and wash his feet with her tears and, and, and then dry them, wipe them with her hair. And Jesus did not seem embarrassed about it one little bit. Jesus included her. And Jesus surprised everybody when, when he invited this scoundrel, this tax collector named Matthew Levi, to, to be one in, in his core group of disciples. Jesus included him. Jesus, we are here because Jesus includes us and forgives us. And he calls all us sinners into a holy life. He calls us into a life of seeking righteousness, a life of grateful obedience, a life of joyful sacrifice. It's not, it's not an easy life, but it is a blessed life. It's a wonderful life. And even though the Bible refutes this idea that all religions are the same, it does recognize that there is overlap in our faith beliefs. There is some. You know, in Romans chapter 2, Paul says that that some people who don't have our scriptures do many of the things that our scriptures teach. And and a good example of that would be the golden rule. Um, You know, there are are versions of the golden rule in, in in a lot of religions Uh, Confucianism says, do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. Buddhism says, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Islam teaches, not one of you truly believes until you wish for others that which you wish for yourself. And Jesus said, do to others what you would have them do to you. You know, I think this is, this is awesome. I love that, that God brought this beautiful teaching to people of all faiths all over the planet. I serve on the uh, Interfaith Advisory Council for Millard Public Schools. And we have uh, clergy from various denominations there. We also have clerics from Judaism and Islam. And I, I love this. I love being able to work together to improve our community. I appreciate the opportunity to, to build these connections, these new relationships. Now, the Bible says that Jesus died on a cross 
and was raised from the dead, uh, the Quran says Jesus did not die on a cross and it was not raised from the dead. So both cannot be true. But the Bible calls us to love everyone. And that includes our Muslim neighbors. The Bible teaches that those who belong to, Jesus, to God in the afterlife will continue to be individuals and we, we will be, we'll retain our identity and we will recognize other people there. Buddhism teaches that in the afterlife we lose our individuality. We become like a drop of rain falling into the ocean. They cannot both be true. But the Bible calls us to love everybody, even as we are loved by God, and we include our Buddhist friends in our love. Today, I want to end by addressing this question. What will happen in the next life to people of other religions or anyone else who doesn't belong to Jesus? You want to, you want to think about this, don't you? You do think about it. First, we can say that God loves them. I mean, that is a, the best place to start, right? That, let's go on to the next slide, if you would. There we go. We can say that God loves them. When, when the Bible says that, you know, God loved the world so much he sent his one and only son, he wasn't just saying, oh, yeah, there's a big world out there. He was talking about people, individuals like you, everyone. Uh, every individual everywhere is dear to God's heart. Jesus came seeking to save each one. Second, we can say that, God, that judgment is up to God, not us. Great relief, right? God is able to judge the world. He knows how to do it. It's fair. Uh, and he can do that without our help. Thank you very much. Only God knows what is in a person's heart. The Bible says that God will judge people's secrets. Third, we can say that God's judgment will be based on what each person knows. See, God is looking for us to respond to the light that we have been given. Even if all the light we have comes from another religion. So if a Muslim is seeking to honor God and obey God and live a righteous life, then when they die, Jesus might very well say to them, even though you did not know me, I know that you believed in me the best that you knew how. I am Jesus, your Savior. Welcome to paradise. And fourth, we can say that everyone needs to hear the gospel. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. And, and there are many people of all faiths, including those who claim to be Christians, who have hardened their hearts. They, they willfully resist God. They, they love their sin more than they love God. And if they were to hear the gospel... If they were to hear the good news that, that, that salvation is available through Jesus, that he loved them so much, he gave his life for them, they might repent.
and they might believe and they might receive amazing grace. Is there, is there a hell? Is there a hell for unbelievers? Is there an afterlife where, where some people are separated from the joys of eternal life in the presence of God? Well, the Bible is clear that there is. Now, I can't say exactly what it'll be like, but I do believe that in the end, those who end up there will be there by their own choice. They, they will not want to be in a place where God's will is always done. They will not want to be in a place where Jesus reigns in every heart. In short, hell is for people who would be miserable in heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for revealing yourself and for revealing your story in the scriptures. And thank you for revealing yourself so fully, ultimately, in your son, Jesus. We confess that sometimes we bristle at what you've revealed. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes it does not fit with the majority viewpoint. Oh, so Lord, give us clarity. Give us courage to believe in the exclusive truth and embrace your inclusive love. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.